Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everyone. Josh from What Culture Gaming here. And look, I'm just going to have to level with you. I am so sick of The Last of Us. This stupid show is making an absolute mockery of the structure of these videos. Like, I can count on one hand. No, I can count on two fingers how many downs I've managed to scrape out of three episodes so far. It's just it's too good, isn't it? Even I didn't expect it to be this good. And writing about stuff that's good is difficult, Craig Mason, so why can't you just do me a solid, throw me a terrible episode that makes my Tuesday mornings really easy to get through? Now, I'm kidding, of course, but as you can probably tell, I think that episode three of The Last of Us is pretty much a masterpiece. Diverging wildly from the story of Bill and Frank from the games, this is a near-feature-length episode all about the relationship between these two characters, set over the course of 20 years. And despite only featuring a smattering of scenes involving our main characters Joel and Ellie, it's definitely the best offering yet. Focusing on the relationship between Prepper, sorry, survivalist, Bill and his partner Frank across the previous 20 years, unlike the first two episodes which were defined by trauma and loss, episode 3 gives us a bona fide love story. Now, so far, we've seen plenty of reasons as to why someone like Joel would become a shell of a person and close himself off as much as he has. The world can and will kill all of the people that you love, and as Bill says in this episode, the government that's supposed to be saving everyone is run by literal Nazis. Episode 3 then was an essential reminder that there is a reason to fight, and that survival just for the sake of survival is kind of a death in its own right, or at least it can be. Now, let's talk about Bill first and foremost. I simply cannot hide my biases with this one. I have been looking forward to the live-action debut of this character for two years, ever since it was first announced that Bill Offerman was cast in the role. I love me some Bill Offerman. And after watching the episode itself, it's kind of nuts that this guy was the second choice for this character. They had someone else in mind, he had to drop out, and then they got Offerman in. Now, not only does Offerman look the part of Bill, with the addition of a big bushy beard, of course, but in the early parts of the episode, he gets the paranoid, eccentric parts of the character down to a T. Known for his comedic chops, of course, in shows like Parks and Rec, it was always a given that the humorous side of the character would be in good hands, and Offerman nails Bill's awkward, dry comments and worldview. 
Honestly, a big up for that giggle while he's eating strawberries alone. That was just pure Ron Swanson, pure Duke Silver. In what was such a heartbreaking episode, Offerman's performance offers us so much levity and humor, another side of this character, and that gets a big up. But of course, it's the more understated dramatic moments that prove that Offerman was the perfect choice for this role. Also, sorry if I keep adjusting this hat during this review. The lights and the way they're angled cast like a big shadow on my eyes, and I don't want you to not be able to see like half of my face. Now, Bill as a character is absolutely someone who is adept at the cold, efficient survival of apocalypse living. There's nobody better you'd want to be with if you wanted to be as safe as possible. But underneath that, he's a man who struggles to connect to both himself and others. And Offerman plays the character with an underlying tenderness that makes him feel so human. It's the little touches, the awkward posture around other people, some excellent deer in the headlights eye acting, and an overall tension that you can practically feel exuberating from this guy's frame. Put simply, thanks to Offerman's performance, this is definitely a dude that you can imagine surviving for like 100 years, but not living a single day of it. It is absolutely Emmy-worthy stuff, folks, so let's give it an up. It, of course, helps that Offerman has an excellent scene partner in The White Lotus's Murray Bartlett as well. The exact opposite of Bill, Frank is instantly approachable and warm, coaxing Offerman's character out of his rut and changing his worldview to something ultimately more hopeful over the course of 20 years. The two have great chemistry, and you absolutely believe that this guy is able to coax Bill out of his shell, melt it entirely almost, and transform him to become someone who sees the world world and himself in a more positive, human way. He not only allows Bill the ability to finally feel comfortable in his own sexuality for the first time in his whole life, but feel comfortable opening up to and caring for others generally. Something Joel has absolutely closed himself off to at this point. So, Bartley gets an up, he's just a natural in this role. And honestly, generally, I can't praise the portrayal of this love story enough. It was like watching Before Sunrise Apocalypse Edition or something like that. Or, as one great tweet by Kate Leff put it, finally, a San Junipero for men. The relationship itself is full of tender moments that have caused Bill towards that heartbreaking but bittersweet climax. Bill and Frank's first scene in bed, the pair eating strawberries together, hosting Joel and Tess, hell, Bill apologizing for getting old quicker than his partner. It's all such rich writing bolstered by incredible performances. And it ultimately delivers characters that feel fully formed, compelling, and human, so it gets an up. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, Things just flow, wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. 
Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. What I love particularly about the episode though is just how much is shown rather than told about how these characters have developed over the course of 20 years. Yeah, we get the dialogue heavy scenes with the pair arguing about whether or not they should contact strangers or how they're going to change the aesthetics of their street to make it more of a home. But their relationship and its development is also portrayed visually as well. For instance, my supremely talented colleague Sai pointed out on Twitter the way characters are framed in multiple shots and how much that says about the way that the character relationships change. In their first dinner, for instance, Bill and Frank are seated as far apart as possible, but in their final dinner, Bill is right there in the seat next to him, having bridged the gap physically as much as he has emotionally. And the episode is absolutely full of little touches like this. From the symbolism of Frank swapping one of Bill's guns for strawberry seed, you know, literally swapping a symbol of violence out for a symbol of love in this case, to Bill watering flowers that he previously would have found frivolous and unimportant to his day-to-day chores. The set design does a lot of heavy lifting in this regard too, transforming their home from a drab house that people just live and survive in, to one that's full of colour and art and humanity and love and passion and all of that. It's all done visually. However, I think my favourite detail of the entire bunch is the way that Bill alters the way he angles his food while serving dinner on the two occasions we see him do it. In their first scene as strangers, Frank actually corrects Bill's angle to what he prefers, but in their final dinner, Bill gets it right. And all of these touches ultimately remind me of a poignant quote from Michelle Zorner's excellent memoir, Crying in H Mart. So if you'll bear with me, I'm about to get soppy for a moment, but I think it's worth it. Now, the quote goes like this. 
That was how my mother loved you, not through white lies and constant verbal affirmation, but in subtle observations of what brought you joy, pocketed away to make you feel comforted and cared for without even realizing it." End quote. And to me, that quote kind of sums up the importance of these little details. They ultimately make the relationship feel way more real and convey love in a way that a grand declaration in a big TV speech just wouldn't be able to. So yeah, that's a big point and a big up, I guess, but it really is the backbone of the entire episode for me. Speaking of the meal, Bill and Frank's final day together generally is no doubt going to be some of the best TV we see all year. After falling sick, Frank wants to end his life on his own terms, addressing that their relationship hasn't been perfect, but that he wants Bill to give him one last good day to remember and, quote, love me like I want you to. More so, Bill decides during this final day that life isn't worth living without his partner, and more, that he's content to go, having grown old and frail himself. The subsequent table scene is pretty much pitch perfect in every sense, managing to be supremely acted and emotional without going too big or too melodramatic. More importantly, it's not framed as a tragedy either, but actually a kind of happy ending based on the pretty dreadful circumstances that the couple find themselves in. As Bill says, it's what he wants to do. He's old, and he's satisfied. So, though their deaths are heartbreaking, it's heartbreaking in a completely different way to Tess's or Sarah's from a couple episodes prior. It's a great sequence, and it gets an up. Now, we come to the end, but believe it or not, Ellie and Joel were actually in this episode as well. And in a great subversion of Frank's letter that he leaves to Bill in the game, it's actually Bill who leaves a letter to Joel in the episode. And it's the contents of this letter specifically which drive home why we've just spent an hour watching the backstory of two dead side characters. See, Bill, like Joel, is a man who was at one point entirely closed off, single-mindedly focused on getting through the day. Unlike Joel, though, Bill's 20 years changed him for the better. And unlike Tess, Frank asked Bill to feel the way he felt, and they were both better off for it. He tells Joel that he was wrong to wear the way that he lived for so much of his life, and that the purpose of men like them is to protect and love the people closest to them, rather than remain isolated. Following on from Tess's instruction to save who you can save, this advice is no doubt going to be instrumental in Joel's character development in future episodes. It's as subtle as a sledgehammer, yes, but Bill's words wouldn't be as compelling as an argument if we hadn't just seen how this ideology really had changed his life for the better over the past hour. So for anyone who might decry this episode as just being filler, it's this letter and its impending impact alongside getting the battery, the car, and tooling up, which is precisely why it's not. And we wouldn't have felt the impact of the letter had we not seen the backstory in full. So yeah, what a bloody episode. I can't even contrive a down for this week, so for one week only, maybe this is just going to be The Last of Us Episode 3 ups and ups. I mean, come on, you don't want to be to just sell out and find something to complain about, dear. And hell, that's without even talking about some of the ups that I couldn't fit into the main review, which, as is becoming tradition, I'm going to run down right now. Seeing Tess again, that was great, and what a pleasant surprise to see Anna Tov back. I love not only just seeing those two together, but the reveal that they've been together for pretty much the entirety of the apocalypse, or at least 10 plus years. It, for me, it deepens their relationship, and also makes Tess's death even more tragic. 
We've also got the flower theory that was confirmed. You'll love to see it. We've got the use of music in general, which was absolutely superb. And of course, we've got that final window shot, which was just a great way to bookend the entire episode. A really great callback to the game that is emotionally charged. Great stuff. So that's my glowing review of The Last of Us Episode 3. I want to know what you guys think down in the comments below. Do you think it was as much of a masterpiece as me? And where do you want to see the show go next? Do you want to see it stick closer to the games or continue to diverge wildly off the path? Let me know, and while you're down there, if you could, please also give us a like, share, subscribe, and head over to What Culture Gaming for more lists, editorials, and news like this every single day. Even if you don't, though, I've been Josh. Thank you so much for watching, and I'll see you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.